everybody welcome welcome everybody wednesday seven o'clock mountain time so it is time for another fishmonger live stream i'm dan your host the friendly fishmonger from dancefish.com and i'm glad to be here with all you people um just give me half a moment here i want to be able to see what you're seeing so i can make sure everything is good Lumpy Dog, welcome. Welcome, Lumpy Dog. Welcome, Rod S. And Bald and Dangerous was here chatting with us a little bit earlier. So, um, Bald and Dangerous, we'll be seeing you shortly. So, hope everyone had a good week. I've had a great week. It's hot. So, for the first time, I actually felt hot this year. We've been in the 60s and 70s here in Sheridan, Wyoming. And today, it was, I think, 88 degrees, which felt really hot. Now, for all of you from the South, <laughs> I know that doesn't sound hot, but it felt hot here today. HC Aqua, hello, welcome, glad you made it. How are the fish doing? Can I get a little update, HC, if you don't mind? Aqua Apprentice, welcome, welcome Aqua. Viola, not to be confused with voila. <laughs> Good evening. Chef Hannibal, glad you're back. Missed you, but I'm glad you're here. It's a tag I'll never forget, you know, because cannibalism is fun. Um, Susie Q, welcome. Hey, Susie Q, I, I really liked your segment in Stinkfot's, um, what did he call it? Compilation, Fish Fam, Fam compilation video. Uh, your rainbow tank looks awesome. Uh, yeah, it's a fantastic looking tank. Good job on there. Madfish Diva, hello. Carter Bing, good evening. Well, good evening. Good evening. <laughs> JH, hola. Hey, welcome, JH. Um, hey, I loved your video on, on not collecting, you weren't collecting, but on uh, the GoPro that you put under the water and showed us the wild gobies and crayfish and shrimp and stuff. Man, that was awesome. Uh, the one where you came in like soaking, and then you did the live stream like soaking wet from being up there. So on the island, I guess they call like a stream a gut. Is that right? Is it because it's like a, a canyon carved out? Is that what it is? I, I kept hearing you say gut. So I assume that's what it is. Craig Hawks. Hey, Grassy Peak. Welcome, Chris. Welcome, welcome. Dank. Hey, Dank. Good to have you. Vinos, Vinoxi. Vino Ski. Vino Ski Tank. Hey. Glad you are here. Terry's Tropical Tanks. Wow, I just bailed on Jeff Rose on accident. <laughs> we won't tell him. I'm sure he'll be here in a minute. Is he still going? I, I assume he's wrapping up. We usually try to, Jeff Rose and I usually try to, you know, throw viewers to each other. If I go before him and if he goes before me. So I'm sure there's no hard feelings. Um, all right. Hey, Charlie, welcome. Daryl, that Deemer. Dimer. Dimer, right? Sorry. I have a friend with the last name Detmer, so that's what I wanted to say. Bald and dangerous. Yes. Yes, we are. <laughs> All right. So behind me, um, we have the progress so far on what will eventually be the backdrop for this live stream. Oh, I forgot one light. There we go. I think that probably helps. Yeah, it's a little less shadowy that, or yeah, a little, little lighter that way. See, I can tell because 
when I go like this without that light on, I don't get this hand shadow on my face. But when I turn it on, I get this bright shadow. So I know that's doing some good, canceling shadows out on my face and stuff. Um, but the pro we've got progress. So this is pretty much a super inexpensive display tank, if you will. So what it is, and I know everyone's going to groan, but it's got playground sand, play sand in the bottom, super cheap. And I put that in earlier today, so it's still kind of dusty in there. I've got the wares on either side, the overflow um, kind of corner filter areas on both sides, just stuffed with filter floss to help take out the fines. And so after a few days running, the fines that are suspended will go away. And it's just the type of thing where I've done it before with play sand and I liked it. I just had to, if I disturbed the tank, I just had to be okay with cloudy water for a few hours afterwards. That's the payback. Um, and then, so that was a few bucks. And then in the back, you can't see it real well, but um, right here, this kind of black thing that you can barely see that line there. That's a black planter tray. It's long and thin. It's three feet long and like six inches wide or something like that. So that has pea gravel in the bottom. And then I put um, everybody's favorite fluorite, a layer of that in the middle, and then more pea gravel on top. And I found that I'm not an expert on plants. I'm not like a massive aquascape or anything like that. But I found that plants generally do really well with that addition of the fluorite. So I got some plants. Uh, for my birthday, I got a $30 gift card to Petco. So I went to Petco to get some plants today. And I got an Amazon sword, a uh, purple waffle, and another stem plant, which I don't remember. What I really wanted was micro chain swords, but they didn't have any. So I'll have to go get some a little later. So that was like eight, nine bucks for an Amazon sword and a couple different kinds of stem plants. Now, those are in a quarantine tank right now. In my opinion, you should quarantine plants like you do fish. Um, if you don't, you know, it doesn't really matter if you don't mind snails and hydra and all that. It's not so much for disease as for pests. So for me, it's the algae they bring in and it's hydra. That's the big thing I don't want because if I get hydra in my system, it'll eat my fish fry. And I like to breed fish and raise lots of fish. So that's a problem. So what I do is I take the plants and I throw them in a 20 gallon long that is just full of scuds tons of scuds in there, um, also called amphipods. And those little buggers will just eat any algae off of them. So I'll just leave them in there for a few days and those little buggers will just scrub them down pretty much. And so after that, then I'm usually good to put them in the tank. Um, if I do see any hydra in the tank, I'll put in some Panicure. Um, I think that's flubendazole or fenbendazole, I can't remember, and that'll kill the hydra. Um, so Got some sand in there, got a little planter in there that I'll put some stem plants in. I'm going to start small. They're just these small little stem plant pieces, like four or five of each type. And I'm going to put them in there and I'm not going to rush it. They'll grow up, you know, they'll, they'll grow and then I'll trim them and replant. And eventually that back will be nice and full of stem plants. There's a corner uh, spot here. There it is, where we have some java moss, which I took out one of one of my swordtail tanks. It's about two thirds of the tank is like on the bottom is covered in java moss. So I took out a big section of that, dumped it in there. Um, and then I threw in some, let's see, behind my head here, 
you can kind of see these, it's hard to see, but these kind of dark green lumps here, those are spawning moths. And I just took those out of some established tanks that had flagfish in them. So that's basically for the beneficial bacteria. Then this plant right up here, there it is, is just a, a massive bunch of water Sprite, like a water Sprite on steroids that I took out of a 20 gallon long and threw in there. Again, just to help start cycling things. I don't plan to keep the water Sprite in there probably just cause I don't want it to shade out the other plants. Something is stem plants in the back, a big Amazon sword on the side. Maybe the Java moss will stay. I'm not quite sure. Um, I've got a piece of driftwood with a, a large mature uh, Java fern on it that I've been growing out for like a year. So that'll probably go in there. And then I've got an apple tree in the back that's dead that I plan on cutting up and, and soaking those logs to put the wood in there. So that's kind of what I'm thinking. Fish stocking, it'll be the platinum angels. I think for sure. And then something to keep the stands stirred up. Um, that's a pretty deep, I don't know, it's a two to two and a half inches of sand in there probably. And I don't want it to get anaerobic bacteria growing and stuff. So uh, I'll probably put in some Paratilopi gunthri, which is like a geophagus type species, but from Africa. So it's not a geophagus, but it acts the same. It sifts sand and things like that in there to keep the sand clean. Or I could do some kind of loaches that like to burrow in the sand. There's a lot of loaches that do that. To get this thing kickstarted, I threw in about a half a pound of black worms. I know this is going to be weird. So, so, um, but this is how I like to start a tank if I have the time. Black worms, scuds, and snails. Whoops, there we go. Now you can see. Black worms, scuds, snails. And I do that just because those can take really high ammonia and nitrites and stuff. And so... I throw that in there and I feed them pretty heavily. And as soon as I get algae growing and kind of the population of snails and, and scuds and the um, blackworms multiplying, in a, it'll, it'll take probably a couple weeks with the kind of the jump start that I've given it with some cycled material. Um, then the tank will start maturing and that's when I'll transfer the fish in. So it'll be a couple weeks. You know, the tank will tell me when it's ready and then I'll put the fish in. So that's what's going on back there. Down below is the 100 gallon. Um, it's got water in it and a pump just to throw the water around, but nothing else done with it yet. It's plumbed, uh, the drain's working. It's, it's watertight, which is good. This is the first time I've ever filled it up and it was used, so, so that's good. Um, but yeah, that's what's going on behind me. So my, my hope is that within a few weeks, it might take a couple months with the plants growing in and everything to have a really nice backdrop for the live stream. Something besides uh, <laughs> the spray on foam insulation and the wires and, and all of that. So, um, yeah, that's what's going on. Um, so I'm going to start scrolling, look for comments and questions. We can talk about anything fish hobby related. Um, the things that I feel like I'm fairly knowledgeable on are building fish rooms and, and systems like that, uh, breeding fish, shipping fish. And then I've, I've kept both in my collection and in fish stores and wholesalers I've worked at over the years, lots of kinds of fish. So I can talk about a lot of things. Um, one thing I love about this hobby is just how there's always something to learn. So by no means am I gonna be able to answer every question, um, but that's what I like about the hobby because as soon as I do know all the answers, which will never happen, but if it ever did, it would start getting boring. So I'll help you out any way I can. 
Um, we can geek out on any fish related topic you want to. And if stuff gets slow, I have a uh, list of questions that I've been collecting from emails I get through my online store, dansfish.com, if you're looking for quality aquarium fish shipped to you. Um, so I'd like to kind of share those if we, if we get a little slow or need a jump start for anything. Um, I am going to share this as well because people keep asking. This is the import list. This is what is coming in from Nigeria. I did speak with my buddy there that is collecting the fish uh, two days ago, and he's still working on it. So, um, you know, they have to go out to all these different locations and find all the critters and get them, they, you know, packed up and ready for shipment and all that. So it's going to take a little while, but it is being worked on. So a lot of cool killifish there, some cool tetras, some interesting cichlids, and of course, glass catfish, because I love them. So just thought I'd preempt the questions about what's coming in and when with that. Um, so anyway, I'm going to start scrolling and see what people are saying. Besides hi and good evening. Tea parties all around. All righty. <laughs> Let me dog. Terry's tropical tank says, oops, happy accident. Yes, Jeff Rose losses our gain. <laughs> I'm just kidding, Jeff Rose. I hope you're here, actually. Oh, yeah, there you are. Hey, Jeff Rose, glad you made it. Glad you made it. Um, Steen Fott, hey, glad you're here. Glad you're feeling better. I, I lurked on your live stream, your, your most recent one, the, the Thursday one, even though you're not doing Thursday ones. And I was glad to see you up and around, man. That's, that's awesome. Um, alrighty. Bob Kaler, nice tank. What's going in it? Just talked about that. Um, basically the, the centerpiece fish will be those platinum angels. The other fish that go in there will be, um, you know, built around them. And it's basically because it has a black background. And I think that that platinum color will really pop even on camera, even if I need to turn off the lights or something, if I have glare issues. So, so that's why I'm going with, with, with the platinum angels. I think that they would uh, do well on camera basically. But I, I don't know all the other species that I'll put in with them. I definitely want it to be a lively tank, but I don't want it to be a crowded tank. All right. Charlie, is the new tank clear, Dougie? Well, is it? Let <laughs> me jog. Jeff Rose is no in the house. <laughs> Oh, Bald and Dangerous says, the gravel was filthy, Charlie, but washed well, came up surprisingly clear. Tank is actually clear. Yeah, I, the first time I tried like playground sand and stuff like that, I like washed the heck out of it and sieved it and did all that to try to clear it up before I put it in the tank. It's still clouded up like crazy. So now I just dump it in and let the tank take care of it. You do have to be careful though. You don't want to get that stuff in your filter, so. You want to guard your filter pretty well. That's what I have like two cubic feet of, or three cubic feet maybe of filter floss going. And the whole thing's filtered by an FX5. So it's got, it's got good filtration on it. Lumpy Dog, I love jumping from great live stream to great live stream. What a bunch of cool dudes. 
Jeff Rose, we have made the cool dude list as per Lumpy Dog. So cha-ching or mazel or whatever, we made it. <laughs> Our worries are over. <laughs> Jad Orzi. Jad. Yeah, it wouldn't be Jade. It would be Jad, right? I'm back, but over here. Hey, welcome, Jad. Glad you are here. Kenny Ortiz, hi, finally caught a live live stream. In your opinion, what is the best fish flake in the hobby right now? What do you use? So when it comes to flake, I use a really cheap flake. It's Cobalt brand, Mysis Flakes. But keep in mind, that's not their main food. The only reason I feed it, honestly, is because when they make flake food, they coat it with vitamins and minerals as they're processing it. So I just feed that once a day, once every other day, maybe, um, every couple days, maybe, as a way to get vitamins and minerals into them. The quality of the food isn't super high, but it doesn't cloud my water and it gets the vitamins and minerals in them. So my main foods are, I really like PE, so Piscine Energetics, Mysis pellets, they're awesome. The ingredients are just amazing. I really like frozen brine shrimp, frozen blood worms, and I feed a lot of rapashi. So I feed low quality flake because all I'm doing really is using it as a vitamin supplement. And it's so cheap that I can do that really cheaply with the cobalt mysis flakes. So that's what I do, Kenny. I don't think if that was the sole food I fed or if I only fed a couple foods that I would use that food because it's not great quality. In that case, um, I would have to research before I chose that kind of food. I will say I've been impressed with the Sarah foods. I've uh, fed a lot of them, mostly granules and things, but I think their flakes are pretty good quality. But that's my strategy, Kenny, is I, I, I feed a cheap flake occasionally as a vitamin and mineral supplement. So it's a little counterintuitive, but um, that's how I do it. <laughs> um, Thomas Perkins, I got a pretty funny story about fish breeding. All right. Thomas, here's the mic. Lay it on us. Like, I want to hear it. <laughs> um, Kenny, I'm usually a replay guy at work with all the fish YouTuber live streams. Yeah, I lurk, Kenny. I, I just have it on in the background while I'm working or changing. Well, I do still change water a little bit, but working in the fish room or, or whatever I'm doing. For driving, it's great. Eats up a lot of time, but that's usually a replay. But we're glad you're here. Glad you could make it. Glad you're not at work, right? Yeah. Lumpy Dog, all the cool kids are smashing the like button. No peer pressure. <laughs> Thanks, Lumpy Dog. Uh, Lumpy, if you didn't get my note, if you get a chance, would you drop me an email with your address in it? I've got a gift for you. Uh, I want to thank you for your hard work the last few weeks, modding like a Superman, and I've got something to send you. So, if, uh, if you get a chance and you're cool with that, then send it on over. Sorry, I'm trying to adjust the camera just to see what kind of works best here. Since I've got this new backdrop tank to work with. 
yeah, that ugly ceiling, I just want to go away. But you know what? That's okay. Maybe I'll have to hang like a, a theater curtain or something above the tank. That would be, that would be apropos. Okay. Terry's Tropical Tanks. I'm the guy that confused viola with voila. But I had some adult beverages, so cut me some slack. Terry, we screw up violas and voila weekly. Oh, many times every week here at uh, the Dance Fish Fishmonger live stream. So <laughs> you're in good company. And I don't even have the adult beverage excuse. So <laughs> Dink won't let me preach. He won't let you preach. Preach on, Dink. Lumpy Dog, do vinegar eels ship well? Yeah, they're about as tough a critter as you can get. The only thing that I think would possibly kill them is a lot of heat, but if you put them in a in an insulated box and even threw in an ice pack, uh, they they would probably make it even in the hottest summer months, unless they got delayed or something like that. But yeah, they're about as tough as you can get when it comes to a, a live food critter. They're extremely durable. Jad, using it as a supplemental vitamin makes sense. I'm glad some people think so. I get, I catch hell for talking about this sometimes. I, mean, I use cobalt and people are like, what? You might as well feed Wardleys. <laughs> I would if it didn't cloud the water. It's got vitamins and minerals. All right, Aqua Apprentice, how do you end up with a contact in Nigeria? How did I meet him? A friend of a friend who knew someone and knew that I was into killifish and that this guy had access to killifish, um, I think is how that one happened. Yeah. Um, found out about the guy, reached out, and uh, turns out he is not, I mean, he's an exporter. Turns out he does this all the time. So it wasn't like I was just contacting some guy and saying, hey, would you go collect fish for me? And the guy's like, what is a fish? You know, how do you bag that? What are you talking about? So yeah, I got hooked up uh, through people that knew people basically. That's, I mean, that's how all good things in life happen. It seems like that and a little luck. Dink, everyone should use flake food as source of vitamins. Done preaching. All right. Dink, I like your sermons. They are short and to the point. What is it? The One of my favorite movies is uh, The Muppets Christmas Carol. And someone like says, I'm going to give a speech at Fozzie's Christmas party. And they're all like, no. And then the speech is super, super short. And they're like, hey, that was fine. The two hecklers. Yeah, nice and short. Kenny, I feed frozen food as the main food for my fish room as well. But flakes are good for quick feedings. Yeah, of course. For some strange reason, I'm addicted to trying a different fish food company I know, weird. No, we all are. We're all looking for the, the next thing that'll work a little better than the last thing. Oh, I have a question. Speaking of fish food, um, I went into Petco today when I was buying those plants and I saw those uh, little, the Tetra food that's like a tiny little disc that floats forever. I forget the name of it. But what I didn't know was how big that little sucker was because I want it to be really small. So if it was, oh shoot, this isn't gonna be helpful at all because I don't remember the name of it. Um, 
It's a compact little thin, thin, tiny, little thin disc that floats for a long time. And I'm interested in getting that because killifish and stuff often feed at the surface. And so I wanted to try some of that, but now I'm gonna have to look up the name and get back to y'all. I don't remember the name, so never mind. But I didn't buy it because I didn't know how big the product was and the person at Petco couldn't tell me, so. Thomas, okay, so Thomas has a funny fish breeding story. I told a friend of mine four G, I, I sold, I told, I sold a friend of mine four geophagus last week after a few years of research, waiting until I had the 125 and I'm actively trying to breed them. He's, he's got them for six days and has eggs. Oh man. <laughs> so is the story you've had them forever and then you sell them and six days later, this guy's got eggs. Is that what happened? <laughs> you know, it is kind of funny though. Um, when fish undergo stress, say shipping, or moving to a new tank or something like that, it often will trigger a reproduction event because I think instinct is telling them like, oh no, this could be your last opportunity to reproduce, you better do it. Like, yeah. I, I've noticed that with fish and with inverts and things like that. So um, it doesn't surprise me a ton that shipping them triggered a spawning event. Bob Kaler's fish hobby. Bob Kaler is no longer the other Bob. All right. Recently got two green phantoms from an LFS. They have been in there three to four weeks. They never ate after I got them home. Oh, they told me at LFS they fed zucchini, which is not true. Yeah, I, I think that those are going to want. So, man, this is when we need a Michael Trevino or Mile High or whatever he's called these days. Um, but I think they're more carnivore, aren't they? They're hypencystrous, right? I'd have to look that up. I don't remember their genus name, but yeah, a lot of those plecos want meat. Lumpy dog, Dan, please tell me it wasn't an email from a Nigerian prince that needs to transfer 100 million to a US bank account. No, no, it was only 5 million. <laughs> There's this guy named James Veach that he responds to the... Uh, Nigerian prince emails and stuff, and he takes them on a ride, and it's hilarious. It's hilarious to watch. Bob Kaler's fish hobby. They only feed bloodworms to all the tanks in the evenings. So the fish get greet everyone begging for food. Of course, I tried everything to no avail. One died, and I took it back to show them. Anyone else know... Um, any tips for Bob? I am not a pleco expert. I know some like meat instead of zucchini, um, but anything we can do to help Bob out. But Bob, that sucks if, I mean, that's not that it's all about price. I mean, a life is a life, right? A zebra danio is a life just like a green phantom is. But when you spend that much on a fish and, and you've tried so hard to get it going and then it dies from misinformation, that's no fun. I'm sorry to hear that, Bob. Um, Kenny crisp. Yes. Tetra crisps. Thank you. Can anyone tell me how big they are? Like, would they fit in the mouth of, I don't know, a neon Tetra or would it need to be a larger fish like a sword tail? Um, what, what size fish can, can eat those? Okay. And I don't mean like, like pick at them. I mean, what, what, what size fish could swallow them? G bear Tetra crisps. Yep. 
How those rainbows doing, G-Bear? Hope they're doing well. Aqua Apprentice, I really like Omega One as well. Cool. I've heard, um, man, I keep, I keep getting off camera. I gotta be careful. You guys are all like seeing this. That's an awesome view. <laughs> this is my best quarter. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think Omega One, I hear good things about like Northfin and, and some other species, uh, species, some other companies. Charlie, no message. Okay. Kenny, you can crush the crisps with your fingers. They float forever. Oh, even crushed. That's cool. That's cool. Water Wizard Tetra Pro Series. So people are shouting out their, uh, I think their favorite flake foods or processed foods. Tampatum, why don't breeders breed muppies, a molly guppy hybrid? I heard they're sterile, but wouldn't that be a good thing for some people that don't want fry? Huh. Yeah, I don't know the answer to that, Tampatum, why they aren't mass produced. Um, I've never seen one in person, so I don't know if they're a really good looking fish. Um, so, so maybe they aren't a stunning fish. Or if they are, it might be a little difficult. Like even though they can hybridize, it might be something that uh, that doesn't happen often, like a rare event that's hard to induce. Yeah, I'm not sure the answer to that. It's a good question. I well, a lot of times when like mollies and guppies are mass produced, they're bred in these big ponds, and so by the time they go to net them out, the odds are the females have probably already all been fertilized. So they would have to at a really young age, separate all the sexes of the mollies and the guppies to make sure that the females were not impregnated by their own species and then cross them. And I wonder if it's, uh, if that's part of the labor part of it that makes it so they don't do that. I don't know, Tampa. I've, I've never thought of that. Um, if anyone in here is in the industry and, uh, has had that discussion over like a, you know, a drink with their friend <laughs> and knows the answer, we all want to know. Dink says to Tampa Tom, money is the reason fish are sold. If that makes any sense. It does like the effort to make that hybrid might not be cost effective. John Bedker, water parameter change triggered the spawn. Yeah, often does. Yep, absolutely. Okay. Um, just trying to make sure that I'm not like, you know, doing, doing this to you guys again, because that's gorgeous, right? Close up of the uh, reflective head. <laughs> Terry, because muppies are very rare, just putting a molly with a guppy doesn't mean they will breed. Yeah, I, I, I think. Dank <laughs> is learning to spell sense. <laughs> not sense. <laughs> that's fancy. That's funny. Um, Tom Perkins, no phantoms eat plants. Okay. Okay. So they do eat plants. Would they become, even though they're a plant eater, would they become spoiled? Like if the shop just fed them bloodworms, would they like get hooked on that? I wonder. Um, Lumpy Dog, 41 watching. Woo! I think that's a record. I think that is totally a record. So thank you everyone that's here watching. I appreciate it. 38 now, but <laughs> that's cool too. That's probably record too. <laughs> All right. Good on us. Not bad for a little bald fish stream. 
Tampa. Okay, Terry, I thought it was that easy. All right, still talking about the uh, muppies, I think. Dink, my black skirts are full grown, can just about eat it. We're talking about the um, crisps, the Tetra crisps. So they are pretty large, but can be nipped off very easily while still floating. Okay. Lumpy, Tetra crisps are the max size my adult rainbows can fit in their mouths. Okay. The crisp crumble easily and float, even crumbled. Cool. All right. That gives me an idea. Thank you, gents. G bear, rainbows are all alive and well. 12 for 12, all eating and healthy. Cool. Um, Gary, are you trying to spawn them or are they like purely display? Um, not that you should try to spawn them, but if, if you are, then I'm curious how that's going, but they're gorgeous, aren't they? What'd you, I think it was the Erian reds and the, uh, turquoise, right? Like that mix in a tank, that would be stunning. I thought about doing rainbows in this tank actually. Um, and, and I still might throw some in there, but I feel like I see a lot of rainbow fish backdrops. And so I want to do something a little different. Um, all right, Bob, this fish will eat algae, but should be supplemented with sinking wafers and pellets as well as blanched vegetables. They never got anything but rare bloodworm, if that. Oh, okay, but a rare bloodworm, if that. Got it. Thomas, holy crap. My scientific name are laying eggs right now. Got to go. Yeah, go. I'm going to look that up. I think that's, that's that cichlid, right? So let's see what this, um, what this fish is that Thomas has spawning. Cause that's pretty cool. Oh yeah. Yeah. These are the ones that he's been working with for a while. So here we go. These are what are spawning for Thomas. Archocentris, uh, spelurum. Archocentris spelurum. Huh. If my Latin's any good at all. Congratulations, Thomas. That is cool. That is really cool. I can't wait to uh, hear an update on how they do and how you, how the fry do and all that. That's great. Congrats. It's like a, a live live stream spawning. Heather. Hey, welcome. Welcome. Hey, I checked out your Facebook page. It was pretty cool. So, uh, Heather's got a page, Scarlet Aquatics. Um, if folks are looking for a Facebook group page, I couldn't remember. I can't remember if it was a group or a page, but a Facebook place. Wichita. Hey, good to see you again. I have several L200 Green Phantom Hemis. They were probably wild caught. I would use some general cure. Yeah, I think I think in general, um, I think in general, uh, treating for parasites for new fish is a great thing. And I, I'm pretty sure that, that Bob's uh, hip to that, knows about doing that. Wichita, mainly carnivore. So, um, Someone set the record straight for me. Are the uh, phantoms mainly carnivores or mainly herbivores? Like, what's the main diet? I know you want to supplement with with veggies if they're a carnivore and all that. But um, so I've heard that they're mainly carnivores, and I've heard someone else say mainly herbivore. I think so. Someone could clear that up for me, or I could look it up on Planet Catfish later. But while we're here in a live stream, I'm curious, um, Bob. Wichita, Wichita Falls Fish Keeper. I always treat all my new fish with the co-op trio. They def have tapes. Yeah. Yeah. I figured you were, Bob. Had tapes. Jeff Rose, be careful talking to Dank too much. 
I'm a Pleco and fish keeper, and I just spent over 200 bucks on Josh's frogs. What'd you get? That's where I got my original cultures for uh, fruit flies. Anyone looking for fruit, pl- fruit flies, Josh's frogs has got them. Um, he also sells, I assume Josh's, yeah. He also sells um, like containers to breed them in and those lids that are perforated for airflow and things. You can find them cheaper on eBay, those containers, but for the convenience, if you need a place, Josh's Frogs has some cool live food stuff. Lumpy Dog, looking at some amazing zebra loaches. Check out Dan's fish. Yeah, I've got a bunch of those zebra loaches left. Um, and I have so many clown barbs, it's not even funny. <laughs> I also thought about just throwing like 50 clown barbs in here, but <laughs> I actually might do that before I put the angels in. Uh, throw a group in there for a couple weeks um, just to make sure that it's really well established before I throw the, the rainbows in because I don't think you can kill a clown barb, so they'd be good fish to do that with. Once uh, once I'm pretty sure it's going, I might try that. Yeah, um, you can easily spend a lot of money at Josh's Frogs. How was that tangent and switchback? Whew, I'm getting dizzy driving this chat road. Bald and dangerous. Hi, Heather. Dink. Jeffro, why aren't you texting me info? All right, so Jeffro's got to have a tea party with Dink. He needs some info. <laughs> Jeffro's, you've been danked. <laughs> Dang, they must be an omnivore, the phantom plecos. Yeah, that would make sense. Aqua apprentice, herbivore mainly. Okay. Oh, but Terry says green and phantoms eat mostly protein. So he keeps going back and forth. Um, so I think uh, if anyone is free to check maybe Planet Catfish, uh, and get back and give us a clear answer while we're streaming. might be nice to clear up while everyone's listening. Uh, so we leave with some clarity because Planet Catfish, those, those folks are like the catfish geeks. So I'd go with whatever is said there, I think. And, you know, plecos are funny. For a long time, we thought they all ate veggies. So it was amazing when we discovered at least in the hobby, science probably. Actually, probably not. They're so deep and in such fast waters sometimes that science doesn't know much about them. But when we found out that they are uh, not predators, but eat a lot of protein, that was, that was a revelation. I remember the first time I heard that. It blew my mind. Um, this was in the 90s, I think. And someone was talking about it was either gold nugget plecos or zebra plecos and told me they were carnivore. And it like, took me a while to wrap my head around that. Um, yeah. All right. Jake says they're mainly omnivore. <laughs> Wichita, I treat as omnivore, but I may be wrong. Uh, Heather, thank you, Dan. It's a group. We have a lot of fun there. Yep, yep. The Scarlet Aquatics Facebook group. Bob's K, freeze up second time now. Ooh, is my stream? Hang on. Let me check my stream health. Just a second. Make sure we're okay. All right, it's back to good. Man, sorry about that. It's always a bummer when that happens. Um, well, hopefully, hopefully that doesn't happen again. Let me know if it does. And Bob, when it 
when it is freezing on you, I assume we're talking about the live stream is freezing up on you or buffering. If that's what we're talking about, if that's happening, is it like just like for a couple seconds or has it been freezing up for a long time? Um, that's no good. Bob says, Steenfot keeps them several sides to the same back and forth. I think we're talking it. Okay, I don't even, I'm lost, but I think we're talking about back and forth between protein and veggies for the phantoms. That's my guess. Bob, my rhinos, BNP, and elfin albinos. Um, so for those that aren't hip to the uh, acronym, acronyms, I always want to say anachronisms, acronyms. Um, bushy nose plecos and long fin albino plecos eat a bit of everything. Yeah, yeah, they're the, uh, I mean this in a good way. They're the swine of the pleco world because they'll eat anything. I don't, I don't mean that as an insult. I mean like they're easy to care for. Lumpy dog from Planet Catfish. Okay. The fish is omnivorous and easy to feed. Although an effective algae eater, it should be given a varied diet of prepared foods. There we go. So everyone's right. It's a carnivore and an herbivore and Dank nailed it. <laughs> so cool. Aqua, let's, let's go with Terry. I may be confusing it. I can't check anything on phone with one hand, baby sleeping on the other arm. Oh man, Aqua, I remember those days. Yeah. It's like, okay, finally got the kid to sleep. We ain't moving. We're just going to be here. And then, and then when you would sit down and then the baby would wake up and start crying. So you have to stand up. As soon as you stand up, they're cool. Wait, wait 10 minutes. Your arms getting tired. Your legs getting tired. So you go to sit down, baby wakes up and cries. You have to stand up again. It's like, they know. I remember those days. I respect that aqua. I get it. G bear might give the breeding a go, but it'd have to move them to a new tank. Eggs don't have a chance where they are now. Yeah. Yeah. Dank says it didn't freeze for me. Okay, cool. So if anyone, it sounds like it's not freezing for everyone. If indeed we were talking about the stream freezing, so might want to refresh um, if that's happening. Terry, I hate to say this, but from Planet Catfish. Okay. <laughs> Terry, pulling rank. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> um. All right. Cool. All right. So Bob's fixed that. So I want to do something now. I'm going to um, go over a couple of um, questions and then we'll get back to the stream, give it a, a little chance to pick back up. So I've been collecting some of these. This one says, and I won't say the person's last names, okay? Um, just to, you know, I didn't ask them if I could read their questions online or anything. So I'm going to not say their last names. Hello, Dan. I have a question. I Will the rice fish survive in a pond? It will get some ice in the winter. I raise koi in this pond. Thank you for your time. Signed, Roger. So the answer to that is yes and no. It depends on the kind of rice fish. And if you're talking about the rice fish I have, which is the um, wawari species, or wawari, I guess, daisy's rice fish, those would not do well. Those are from uh, Sulawesi, and a few days ago I checked the temperature in Sulawesi, and it was 79 degrees. The the fish, the rice fish, which would do well in ponds over winter, are the Japanese rice fish, and um, 
a couple days ago, the same time Sulawesi was 79, Japan was 68. So for those wanting to put rice fish out in a pond, you can totally do it. Just make sure you're getting the madaka, I think is how you say it, um, Japanese rice fish, and, and they'll be just fine. It gets real cold in Japan in the winter, so they will be used to it. I'll do one more question, and then I'll get back to the chat. This says, hey, Dan, I know you're a busy guy, so I appreciate you taking the time to answer my questions. I always have time to answer questions, guys. Anytime you want an answer to anything you need, fish hobby related, feel free to shoot me an email. I don't mind. Um, I'm happy to help. I'm happy to help people and grow this hobby any way I can. Um, I had one last question regarding the Limia nigrofasciata. The two females I received in the batch from you are obviously pregnant. <laughs> when aren't they? Do you typically call any breed or do you pull females when she's ready to pop? Secondly, what's the best way to identify that birth is imminent? I'm currently seeing what could be the beginnings of a gravid spot near her anal fin. I'm really trying to multiply these. So I'm trying to save as many fries as possible. Thanks again for your time. Signed, Scott. So the Limia nigrofasciata, I've always colony spawned. Um, for anyone that wants to do that, they don't seem to predate on their fry heavily. Granted, the top half of that aquarium is choked with water spray. But even then, I don't see them chasing their fry a lot. Now, I do feed them well. They get a feeding in the morning. And then as soon as that's gone, I throw in some rapashi and they graze on that for a few hours. And then I might feed them again in the afternoon and in the evening, just depending on the schedule. But they do eat a lot because I have fry in there and I'm trying to get the fry enough food. So in my experience with some plants and enough food, I don't know if there's any predation on the fry really. I've got like literally hundreds and hundreds of fry growing up in that tank, like all the time. So they're simple to breed in a colony. Now I do sometimes separate the fry. I don't ever, I've never separated the female and had her give birth in another tank. Um, you can do that. If I were to do that though, I think the best time to do that, and this is pretty much with any live bearer, is a few weeks before she's going to give birth. So once she's impregnated, move her to another tank, let her live there, get accustomed to it and everything, because birth is stressful enough. The only time I ever lose Limia uh, nigrofasciata, it's always females and it's always when they're giving birth. It doesn't happen often, but if it does, that's when it happens. So birth is already stressful. So why, um, why exacerbate that stress by moving her when she's in that condition? So if you're going to move her, fine, but do it well in advance of uh, when she's gonna give birth, okay? Um, but I often leave the fry in there just to grow up with the parents. But I do sometimes net them out to put them in their own tank for grow out just because I can like really power feed them that way and get them grown to their max potential, um, grow them up quickly. Um, but yeah, they're super easy. I just colony spawn those. So, all right, those are the answers to those questions. Back to the stream. Hey, I've got a super chat. Look at that. I should go away more often to answer questions, right? <laughs> Bob Kaler's fish hobby. Thanks for the help. You're welcome, Bob. Um, we got there eventually, I think. It feels like there's still some differing opinions, but um, I think Planet Catfish is the place I would, I would go. Um, 
But thanks everyone for chiming in and helping us uh, out. And hopefully Bob, the others do okay. I know you're medicating them and all that, so I'm sure they'll I'm sure they'll pull through. Plecos are pretty tough critters. If you can if you can get them through that acclimation period, that's that's the toughie on it. And again, I've in my personal collection not kept a lot, but I've acclimated a lot of them um, at fish stores and wholesalers. So I know they're tough once they get through that period. All right, searching, searching. All right. Where are we at? Oh, he continues. Terry says, planet catfish says mainly vegetarian. <laughs> the questions continue. John says, my blue phantoms love fluval bug bites. Pleco formula and three millimeter sinking cichlid. NLS. I know this. I know this, but it's not popping in my head. NLS brand sinking cichlid. Aqua. What is the best beginner killifish in your opinion? It's without a doubt uh, Fundalopanchax gardneri. Let me show it to you. It's an awesome fish. Here, check these out. These are super easy beginner's killifish. Um, now there's lots of killifish you could start with. These aren't the only ones you could start with. But the reason that I think I would recommend them to a beginner above all other killifish is A, they are super hardy. They're, they're as tough as is a live bearer, like is a platy. They're, they're that tough when it comes to like surviving. Um, B, they're really colorful. I mean, they're beautiful fish. See, they have a personality where they're out and about. They're usually not just hiding. They'll, they'll come out, um, you'll be able to see them and observe them with no problem. They're usually really easy to feed. They can take the temperatures that people usually keep their community tanks in. There are some killifish that need cooler temperatures. Um, and there are some killifish that need it really hot. These, these will do well with your standard community tank temperatures. Um, once you get much above 80, they'll burn out like they'll their metabolism will just ratchet up real quick and they won't last as long but if you're anywhere up to 80 or you know in the 78 degree area they'll be just fine and a lot of killifish don't like it that warm so temperature wise they're easier than a lot of killifish and then um the other thing is they just spawn they breed like rabbits they will spawn and spawn and spawn and from just one pair you can get a large amount of eggs and raise a lot of fry and uh, get that success under your belt so you can proceed to, you know, more difficult species with some confidence and some experience. So Fundilla Panchex Gardneri for me is always the one I'll say. Now, there's lots of other species that are hardy and would be fine. Aphiosimian striatum, really hardy, easy to breed, uh, pretty. All kinds of things going for it. A lot of the killifish have a lot going for them, but Funnelopanchax gardneri is always reliable. The other thing is the babies grow really quickly. So um, you can spawn them and grow them up in things and have a tight turnaround. So you aren't waiting forever like, <laughs> like rainbow fish for them to finally color up. Um, they'll start coloring up after just 
I don't know, three weeks, you'll start sexing them out if you're really, really growing them strong. Um, so yeah, that's the one I like. If anyone here uh, has any other killifish that they think are awesome for a beginner, please chime in. We can uh, give Aqua some other opinions as well. Heather, want your opinion, Dan. Okay, 110 gallon tall tank with nano fish in it. What do you think for top swimmers? Um, what are the other inhabitants? I mean, I, I think a school of like a top dwelling lamp eye killifish would be fantastic looking in that. Um, are there plants on top? It kind of depends on how you're doing the tank. So here, here's a few different options for the top. Hatchet fish are great and they don't ever stray from the top. So that's, that's a easy answer. Um, some of the more top dwelling lamp Achilles um, would probably do well, but be aware they're gonna be in the top and down to the bottom. They aren't gonna stick up at the top all the time like a hatchet fish would. In fact, there's not a whole lot of really community fish that really stick up at the top, top, top. Um, so I think hatchets are an easy answer. Maybe even a cop-out, sorry, but <laughs> um, if there's plant cover on the top, it doesn't have to be the entire top, but over a portion of it, you could try some of the Aplicylus species. They stay up there, some of the Epiplates species. So those are two types of killifish. Um, I think that providing other fish can't eat them and that they can't eat the other fish, that the little platinum half beaks are pretty awesome. And um, the last time I had them, we, I was working at a wholesaler. I've had them off and on over the years at places I worked. We got them eating flake food and stuff. They weren't hard to keep at all. Um, so those would be a neat one that would stay pretty much at the surface. I find that a school of like ghost cats will generally stay in a ball and up towards the surface. Maybe not like exactly on the surface like a hatchet fish, but tend to stay up towards the surface, especially if there's a little plant cover up there. If there's not, they'll find a corner and go hide in it. But if you have plant cover in the top, they'll tend to want to stay up there. Um, at least in my experience. They're not strictly a top dweller though, so it kind of depends on the environment where they choose to, to school. I guess those are the ones off the top of my head. Again, not a long list of fish that stay at the top and really kind of strictly inhabit that zone. Rainbows, so rainbows tend to kind of be top to midwater. So that's an option. But again, that's, that's not going to be strictly at the top. So Heather, that's about the best I've got for you. Anyone else have better ideas? Because... Um, that didn't feel, I feel like there's got to be something better than those options. But Heather, that's what I got popping in my mind at this moment. Let me do a question about vinegar eels or microome cultures. Check out Dan's video from earlier this week. Yep. So i uh, got a video where I'm cooking in the fish kitchen, making live food cultures. So take a look if you want to know how to do it. And I do it a little different than most people. So even if you know how to do it, um, it might be interesting to see kind of the different uh, ingredients I use. All right. Um, Lemmy Dog says, thank you, Bob 
Kaler's fish hobby. Yes. Thanks again, Bob, for the super chat. And man, for all the super chats, Bob, really, you've for a long time now done a lot to support this channel and uh, just participating, discussion, super chats, um, all the stuff you've done. So I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Um, Hangar 77. With flake ingredients, if the manufacturer takes the time to list whole salmon, then halibut, I often wonder why they take the time to list the whole type. Is it really any better than fish meal? Well, I think so. Um, maybe I'm personifying this a little bit, Hangar 77, because maybe fish meal nutritionally has, is, is just fine. But what that means is that's all the parts, that's all the waste. So that's like, you know, I don't know, the, the guts and the tails and the skin. And, you know, when they process the fish, it's, it's not the filet. Let's put it that way. It's not the filet. So you're kind of, it's kind of the hot dog of meats. It's not the steak. It's like everything else. So does that mean that fish meal is not as healthy as uh, an entire fish? I don't know. I like, I'm not a nutrition expert. I, I haven't researched that. But the idea is that one is the whole fish, including the filet, and the other is everything but the filet. So all the non-desirable parts, you know, but does the fish care? I don't know. But that's the difference. So it sounds like they're doing whole salmon, but when it comes to halibut, they're, uh, they're taking the, the waste parts for that food. Um, Terry's Tropical Tanks, new life spectrum. Thank you, LNS. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> and Aqua is seconding that motion. <laughs> Terry's Tropical Tanks, don't start with Golden Wonders. Well, yeah, in, uh, so Golden Wonder killifish, uh, that's Aplicylus lineatus. And the other larger killifish that stay at the surface, they're, they're predators for sure. And depending on the size of your um, nanofish, they could predate. Aplicylus blocki, however, is pretty small. An inch, maybe an inch and a quarter, the very, very biggest if you count from the tip of the nose to the tip of the tail. Um, so their mouth is not as big. They definitely have a prey drive though. They're hunting constantly. Like they'll, when I put fruit flies in there, it's fantastic to watch because there's tons of floating plants and the fruit flies climb all around. And these little suckers will jump out of the water and grab the fruit fly and fall back in. It's, it's pretty amazing to watch. So as long as the little fish can't fit in their mouth, you'll be fine. But yeah, that is something to keep in mind though. The pike type killifish, so the surface dwelling epiplates in Aplicylus, um, killifishes, they're hunters. They, they, they're at the surface waiting for an insect or a small fish to swim by and they'll just nab it or an insect to fall on the water, something like that. So, yep, it's all about what can't eat them. Lumpy dog, will better ruber eat flakes? Yes, I've got a video about this. So, um, what is it? The, a couple days ago, I did a video like just a quick update of like this project behind me at the time. Um, I don't remember something about water Sprite. And then 
the betarubra. And I show proof that they'll eat flake food because on camera, I take the flake food, put it in there, and they just all go and like eat it like crazy. So mine will eat flake food. They will eat pellets. Um, they will eat uh, rapashi as long as it's not like one of the vegetarian diets. Um, they'll eat community blend and they eat it just fine. And the internet will tell you that they won't, but they do every day here eat prepared foods. They also eat live, they also eat frozen, but they'll totally eat prepared foods. Now here's the caveat. If you're getting in a freshly imported wild betta, wild type betta, rubra, chinoides, uh, you know, brenorum, um, any of them, they're not gonna be used to prepared food. So it's gonna take a while to get them to eat them, if you ever do. The ones that I'm feeding, I raised here, and so from a young age, they've been feeding that. In fact, I'm doing an experiment right now. I have a batch of betta rubra, and from the get-go, I fed them crushed flakes and crushed pellets and rapashi community. And I think that only three times have I ever given them any live food. And they're growing great and doing fine. So wild-type bettas can be an easy fish. I think the key, though, is to maybe get captive bred specimens that are used to eating uh, prepared foods because I've never gotten a wild caught wild type betta to eat prepared foods. Now they probably could. I didn't get my white cheek gobies to eat prepared foods either. Frozen, yes. By prepared, I mean like flakes and, and pellets. But other people do. Um, I just never, you know, tried really hard. So if a fish doesn't pretty readily eat prepared foods, I tend to just feed them other foods because I'm going to sell these fish and I want them to be fat and healthy. Um, I don't want to, you know, often to get them to eat prepared foods, you have to fast them of the other foods that they like to eat for a long enough period of time to get them to do that. And I wouldn't feel comfortable doing that and then selling that fish while it's in a fasting period. So that's why I don't work really hard to do that. You might be able to though, but for me, as long as they're captive bred, wild type that is, I can get them to eat prepared foods just fine. And I've got a video on it if you want to check it out. But yeah, Lumpy, they'll totally do that. Aqua Funk with Angel Freak. <laughs> it's like doubling down. Funk and Freak. What's up all you fish freaks? Well, now that you're here, we're all doing good. Aqua Apprentice, what's up Aqua Funk? Um, says four more weeks, AA four more weeks. So is this four more weeks left in Alcoholics Anonymous? Is this, I don't know what AA four more weeks means, but I would like to, if you don't mind explaining. Wichita, Dan, out of all of the fish you are importing, which ones are you most excited about? Oh, geez. One. Or did you say ones? Which one? Oh. Okay, I'm going to narrow it down to my top three. And then try to pick one. So my top three are Aphiosimian australi. Or australe, I guess. Australi. I don't know. My Latin is non-existent. Um, Chrome Aphiosimian bivitatum. And the Poro Panchax. Um, not Poro Panchex, I'm sorry, Procatopus. 
the Procatopus. So here, let me, let me look at this with you. Just a sec, let me show you this. So this one up top here, this is Aphiosimian australi. Um, and I'm really excited about this one. This is another one I'm super excited about, Bivitatum. And then um, where is the uh, Procatopus similis? I'm super excited about too. Um, depending on what this really is, the Myers eye, I might be super excited about it. One of my bucket list fish. So this is, right here is called Aplicolichthys Myers eye. By now that name has probably changed. It's probably actually um, Congo Panchax or Poro Panchax Myers eye. One of my bucket list fish is Poro Panchax or Congo Panchax. And I'm just saying both because I can't remember which one is the most current. <laughs> they change the names a lot. Um, is one of my bucket list fish. And if that's the fish I think it might be, then that one is super exciting. But of the ones that I know for sure that they are, Procatopus or Bivitatums or Australi. They're so different, it's hard. Maybe Procatopus because you can currently easily get Australi in the hobby, lots of people breed them. We just need some new blood um, in a new location, which will be exciting. Um, you can get a lot of Bivitatums, they're out there. Bivitatum fungi is a fantastic Fantastic killifish if you're going to try uh, the Chromaphiosemians for the first time. But the Procatopus similis is a fish that you see occasionally, but no one's really keeping it and maintaining it uh, long term. I mean, a few people are, but it's hard to get. So, and I really like it. It's basically, it's like a rainbow fish. So the niche that rainbow fish inhabit in, you know, Australia and the islands, um, are what this fish inhabits in Africa. It looks an awful lot like a rainbow fish. So I think it's probably, we'll go with that one just because I can't think of someone right now that I could call up and just be like, hey, do you have any Procatopus similis you could send me? But I know lots of people that have Australi and Bivitatum. So I guess we'll go with that. Hopefully that's a good enough way to narrow that down. But guys, all those killifish are gonna be spectacular. Paratilopia gunthri, I'm very excited about. Um, pelvic acromus taniatus, I'm excited about too, but you can, you can find that one, but good luck finding Paratilopia gunthri with any regularity. So I'm excited about a lot of the fish. And then those tetras, there's a couple of those that I've never seen live, like ever. So I'm excited to experience them live. It, it's an exciting shipment. I'm, I can't wait. Uh, yeah, I want this guy to to hurry up and ship them. <laughs> but I, I get that it takes a while. Um, Lumpy Dog is welcoming Aqua Funk to the stream. All right. Bob is as well. Okay, tea parties all around for Aqua Funk. Hangar, I meant the non-whole ingredients and better than fish meal. What parts are we getting? Oh, yeah, you're getting the... I would, like the guts and the tail and the head and the, you know, everything that isn't a filet is what you're getting if you're getting non-whole ingredients. Um, okay. Oh, hey, did I miss a super chat? I did. Oh, I totally missed it. 
Oh man, I had no idea this had happened. This must have been while I was looking at something else. I'm sorry, Heather. Heather, thank you for the super chat. $10, so appreciated. Everybody, super chats are never necessary, but they do make my heart happy. So <laughs> thank you so much. Um, don't apologize. We'll be some plant cover on top. You rock, thank you. All right, well, thank you, and I hope those are helpful. Um, so top, top, top dwelling fish for a uh, large nanofish tank. And by the way, awesome that you're doing a large tank with nanofish. That's when they shine. I mean, yeah, you can put them in a nano tank and that's fine, but get a big group of nanofish together in a large tank and you'll see some really cool behavior. And it's just, it's just a step closer to nature. It just feels a little less artificial than a small tank. So I think that's awesome. Um, Cello Bob <laughs> says Aquafunk. Aqua Apprentice says Aquafunk. Your move is going quickly while mine keeps getting delays. No fun. No fun. Michael Wilson, my vote for beginner Achilles. Cool. Epiplates de Gea. Yes. Oh, and that's another, yeah, for a surface dwelling fish, those are fantastic. They're super hardy. They spawn like rabbits. I, they're like duckweed. I had them in a tank and I kept thinking I had gotten rid of them. Not like I was trying to like get rid of them, but I had sold them all or moved them all to another tank and just fry kept appearing and appearing and appearing. And they're, they're crafty little devils. And so they would hang out in there and, and grow up and I just end up getting more. They also spawn at a really small size. So yeah, they're like the duckweed of Epiplates <laughs> in, in the good sense. They're, they're hardy and easy. So I agree, yeah, Michael Wilson. Epiplates de Gei for annuals, or those are non-annuals, and for annuals for beginners. Uh, Nematolibius widei, yeah. And Nothobronchius gunthri, yeah. They're all little rabbits with fins, yep. And uh, widei and gunthri are both stunning. Widei gets pretty big. Um, Michael, what's the biggest widei you've seen? You've seen them as big as four inches, maybe? Um, it's a big fish. Um, they're from um, down in Brazil, kind of close-ish to the southern end of Brazil on the uh, east coast. And they're a peat diver. So when they spawn, they dive all the way into the bottom and bury themselves, lay the eggs, and then get up and out. So they're kind of a thrill to watch spawn. Big, colorful fish. Lots of gleaming little spots all over them. And then the uh, Nothobronchius gunthri. Oh, what, what am I doing? I can just show these to you. This will be a lot easier. Um, let's do that. So <laughs> hang on. I forgot that we have technologies. So for those that don't know this fish, this is the YDI. Pretty cool fish. It also comes in an albino form. Um, and it's beautiful and it's big. It's got cool behavior. Then the gunthri, let's show you those. So notho, gun, gunthri or gunthri, gunthri. Yeah, here it is. So check these out. I mean, note those are just beautiful. There's, they're just stunning. So this is a, a plower, so it doesn't bury its eggs in the peat. It kind of plows down in the peat a little bit. Um, and then the Apoplates de Gei, Epiplates de Gei. 
Now, I used to pronounce this Epiplates degedi, but Ron Harlan, who is a killifish expert and uh, teaches biology at Glendale Community College, I think he might be emeritus now, but anyways, really done a lot with killifish, told me that the gentleman that these fish are named after, the last name was pronounced Dejay, so it's Dejayi, um, according to Ron. So this is them. They're also called the firemouth killi. Uh, the males get this kind of bright fire bit on their bottom lip. Uh, they're not a hugely bright colored fish, but they have some neat patterns on them and some iridescence and stuff. They're a, not an ugly fish by any means. Um, so those are the three that Michael Wilson recommends for beginners. Yeah, I think that I think whatever you do for Achilles, this might not be true, but I, I feel like it's probably easiest to start with the non-annual species just because the return is immediate. Uh, the fry hatch a lot quicker. You don't have to wait as long. You don't have to worry about drying peat moss and all that stuff. But um, but if if you want to try annuals, both those are are awesome. Both the uh, YDI and the Gunthry. Cool. Aquafunk says, you move in, AA? Oh, Aqua Apprentice. I was like, what is this? Alcoholics Anonymous? <laughs> Sorry, guys. One of those moments. I get it. I get it. Um, Vinoski, Zebra Danios. I'm wondering if that's in response to Heather's uh, nanofish question. Uh, could be. Although the Zebra Danios aren't going to stay at the top all the time. They'll, they'll kind of be everywhere. Uh, Midwater for sure. But yeah, they might stay uppish a little more than other fish. AA, thanks, Michael Wilson. Yeah, absolutely. That was a cool comment, Michael. Aqua says to Aqua Funk, yes, in the same area, but keeping running in delays with selling of my home. Yeah. My brother just bought a farm in Texas and moved, and he's um, this week still packing everything over to the new place. Moving's no fun, man. I've done it way too much. In fact, there was a time in my life where in four years, I probably moved five or six times, like just, oh, I found a cheaper apartment. I'm out of here, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. So, man, of course, at that time, I could shove everything into my little Honda SX. So, uh, yeah, it was a lot different back then. All right, everyone's saying tea parties with Heather going on. Aqua Apprentice, Lumpy, you're on top of modding. Yeah. Let me bring some trolls to challenge you. <laughs> Lumpy Dog is an amazing moderator. So Lumpy, thank you again. And uh, really appreciate you doing a kick, kick butt job. In case there's little tykes uh, doing that. Appreciate it so much. In fact, Lumpy, if you ever, uh, I've checked out your channel. I don't think I ever saw any live streams. If you ever do and you need a mod, I'm in your debt. So you got a mod if you need one. Um. <laughs> Let me dog says 25, 25 likes. Thank you, everyone. Yeah. And we got 31 watching. We're back up. We're back up to the big time. For us, the big time is anything over 30 for sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> Aquaholics Anonymous. That's better. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Um, Aqua Apprentice says, you have to zoom in on your import list for us phone users. Okay, I'll do that real quick. Um, just a sec. Let me find a way to do that so it looks good. So I'm going to totally zoom in. 
Come on, Google, let me do it. Oh, no. That's as zoomed in as it wants to be. Okay, how do I do this? Maybe I'll make all the fonts huge. Hang on. Yeah. Oh, that made it so huge. Whoa, what happened there? Well, that didn't work. Oh, okay. Hang on. I think I can figure something else out here. So just bear with me. I hate that. I, bear with me. I hate, I got to think of a better thing to say than that. Um, but bear with me while I figure this out. So I'm going to make these big. Um, I can't zoom anymore. The Google Doc won't let me go in any further, but I can totally um, do some stuff. Okay, just a sec. Here we go. Okay, I think this will help. This will be a little bigger font, um, which might help. Okay. Let me see if I can make it even bigger because phones are hard. Sorry, everyone that doesn't have a phone and doesn't need this, but this will help some people out. Okay, here we go. This is about as big as I can make it and still have it fit on the screen. So uh, there we are. Okay. Here we go. See if this works. Is that better? Hopefully that's better. So I'll read them off to you. Aphiosimian australi, Aphiosimian bivitatum, Aphiosimian coliurum, Aplocolichthys, which is probably Poropanchex or uh, Congopanchex, Myersi, Epiplates, which I think is Grammari, or Grammi, I'm sorry, Grammi. Um, although they didn't know the species, but from where he's collecting, I'm, I think it's probably that one. Aplocolichthys spolachin, Aplocolichthys macrothalmus, Procatopus similis, Neolibius ansorgii, Nanocherax latifasciatus, Pariala pellicida, <laughs> so that's the uh, glass catfish, uh, Pelvicochromus taniatus, and I will get a location on those, I just don't know what it is yet. Uh, Chromidotilapia gunthri, again, I'll get a location on that, and Brysis logopinus, so, um, which might actually have two ends in that species name, I'm not quite sure. So, Anyway, hope that uh, was helpful. Hope you could see that, Aqua Apprentice or AA. Lowell, in four weeks, I will be moving down to AA's area from New Jersey. Yeah, I finally got there, Aqua Funk. <laughs> but I like Aquaholics Anonymous. Not so anonymous, but yeah. <laughs> Let me dog. I just saw this on Facebook. Okay, erythromycin will soon disappear from the shelves. Oh, man. FDA has removed it from the list of approved medications available to use on ornamental fish. Anyone know about this? I hope that's not true. But um, it's, uh, it's banned in a lot of countries because it is something that doctors prescribe to humans uh, as an antibiotic. So uh, I think the fear is that people will buy it and self-medicate or something like that. Still, I hate that, man. It's like, ugh, I, I'm not going to get on my political stump. But let's just say that sometimes it would be nice to be able to do what you got to do, right? Um, so that being said, I don't usually use erythromycin. I use oxytetracycline. 
I don't think oxytetracycline will ever go bye-bye because it's too important to the livestock industry. They need it for like their, you know, poultry and their rabbits and their pigs and I think cows and stuff too. I can't remember which livestock, but so I use that. It's also very inexpensive and I use it with um, metronidazole, with Prazi, no problem. Um, Ickex, all that stuff. I've never had it react and I've treated lots of fish with it. So if erythromycin goes away, oxytetracycline might be a good substitute. I think erythromycin might be a little... They're both broad-spectrum antibiotics, and I have good luck with both. Um, I think erythromycin might be just a little stronger, um, but I have good luck with oxytetracycline. And the other thing is oxytetracycline will color the water kind of yellow, yellowish-green, um, which may or may not color the silicone in your tank after prolonged periods. I don't think it would, but it's something that might be a disadvantage. Um, that being said, I'm using it right now. I have my breeding colony of Wapoga red laser rainbow fish. Just yesterday, the day before yesterday, I was walking by and everyone was totally fine. And then one of the fish turned this way. And because of how reflective they are, I couldn't see this until they turned a certain way, but it looked like he had like, you know, white slime on his body, that kind of not fuzzy white coating, but white coating on parts of his body. Um, all the other fish in the colony are doing great, but just one just out of the blue developed that. So I started treatment immediately. I'm using oxytetracycline and today it seemed to be improved. So I'll let you guys know next week if, if that medicine works on that or if I had to end up using erythromycin, which I have uh, in case I do need it. But man, I hope that doesn't go away though. Erythromycin is such a, a useful antibiotic. Um, uh, Aqua Apprentice Anonymous. Hello, <laughs> <will> not annoy. <laughs> um, Dog. No, but I did learn from Michael's Fish Room's latest vid that it's pretty rare that you need the medication. Yeah. Um, I still medicate anytime I land fish, though. Like, personally, every time I import fish, I medicate. And it's just because... I've seen it done both ways in the, um, in my experience, a little bit of prophylactic medicine helps fish get over rough periods, uh, when they're first imported and things like that. Um, that being said, I believe, I don't want to miss, I don't want to misspeak for her, but I don't think that Miss Jinx uses Rachel O'Leary uses medicine prophylactically. Um, I remember a few times watching videos where she just, like there was one where she got this surprise import because, or transship because someone had claimed all the, he's bought all these fish and then didn't go pick them up. So the transshipper called her and was like, dude, I've got all these fish that the buyer didn't show up for. And she like went and got them or something like that. Or they were delayed in the mail. I can't remember, but there were a bunch of Hillstream loaches that she had that had really bad ammonia burn. And I remember in that video, her talking about how she um, put them in a tank and just um, treated them with really clean water and good food. She's mentioned that a few times. So again, I, I don't want to misspeak for her. Check out her channel for sure. But 
my impression is that she often doesn't treat prophylactically. Rachel, if I'm wrong, I'm so sorry. And again, I could be wrong, but that was my, that was my uh, takeaway from a few of her videos. So maybe not everyone does. I mean, she has good success, if indeed that's true. Terry's Tropical Tinks. Lumpy Dog, we have been losing meds over the last 10 years. Yeah, at an alarming rate. Yeah, Terry, for sure. I had mixed feelings about it. Uh, causes these meds are showing up in the wrong places. About it, because these meds are showing up in the wrong places. Yeah, there was a, a Noxic. Man, that stuff was awesome. Um, I don't think I can find it anymore, though. Because is it formalin? the ingredient that got banned or something like that. But anyway, the, that little green bottle for ick, man, that stuff was fantastic. You can't get that anymore. At least I can't. I assume it's from a banned ingredient. I just know I can't find it anymore. Um, and it feels like more and more medicines are forced to be like herbal and things like that, which maybe is good in a way, but when you need to knock the stuff out, you need a real medicine, I think. <laughs> um, I foresee a prescription needed for most of our meds for fish. Yeah, you could be right, Terry. I hate that, but I think we might be going that way. Um, Thomas Perkins, that was awesome. I don't know what was awesome, but I'm glad it was. Michael, and YDI, my biggest males were three and a half to four inches. Yeah, they get big, the YDI. So we're back to those killifish, the um, soil divers annual species um, from uh, for the, with the tail length females rarely above 1.5 inches yeah that sounds like uh, that sounds like so South American annuals for sure now not all South American annuals get that big but the males are generally quite a bit bigger than the females again generally there's a lot of variation but cool Michael yeah I mean they're a big impressive fish for sure aqua wow that was pretty big size difference yeah yep Lumpy Dog, cute photo from Shipping Day at Dan's Fish Facebook. Yeah, so on Shipping Days, I've been uh, kind of snapping photos here and there and posting them. I think it's kind of cool if you order a fish that you could check Facebook and see pictures of the fish as they're being packed up for you. So, yeah, I'm doing that. I think it's kind of fun. AA, great. Thanks for blowing up that import list. Yeah, glad it worked for you. AA, I meant erythromycin is rarely needed. Right. Something about it treating gram positive or negative. I can't remember which, but the one that's right is pretty rare in fish. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Wichita Falls. Dan, I have to say, I'm really liking your new tank. Cool. You probably already said, but did you drill it for auto water change? So this tank is plumbed for an auto water change. Um, it came that way, though. It came reef ready. It's an oceanic. An oldie but goodie. You can't get them anymore. They were built to last forever. I mean, they're not bulletproof, but they're as close to bulletproof a tank as you can get. So they're fantastic. So each corner has two holes drilled in the bottom, and there's a, a weir or a baffle, maybe you'd call it, a weir, I guess, um, that comes up and around and protects those holes from the main tank. So there's an overflow from the main tank into each of those areas where it drains. So on this side, there's, um, in one of those holes, there's a, a, a pipe at a certain level to keep the water level there. Um, and then there's another hole that is an outtake to the Fluval F FX5 that's filtering. And then on the other side, 
there's the intake for the FX5. So water is basically flowing from, uh, it's all backwards on camera, from here over here constantly, from uh, my right to my left constantly. And then there's a, yeah, a pipe in there to keep the water level as it needs to be. So yeah, it's auto water change for sure. I don't do it any other way. <laughs> Although my, my kids, it was really cute. My kids asked two days ago if they could have their own aquarium. So I've got a 20 long that's, uh, that I'm not using and uh, some other tanks. So we might set those up in their bedroom because I want them to learn how to take care of a tank old school, right? Without auto water changes and stuff. So we might be setting up uh, some non auto water change tanks, one in each of their bedrooms. I uh, haven't talked to mom about it. Not sure if it'll really happen, but they were asking, so that might happen. Love dog. Meds during quarantine are risk and reward. Most of the time you'll be fine. However, I've seen fish rooms decimated by an aggressive disease or parasite, especially small fish rooms, shared nets. Yeah. I've, I've seen it in not just a few times. I've seen it many, many times where, um, two tanks are just fine. And then one fish, then the, then the fish are mixed and suddenly there's just a disaster. I mean, it happens a lot. I feel like Terry, I'm out fish fam. Nice to meet you. Fishmonger. I subbed. I'll watch some videos later. Shower time. Good night. All right, Terry. Glad you were here. And, uh, yeah, thanks for the info and for the conversation. See you, Terry says everyone. All right. It is eight 30. We've reached the bottom of the chat. So it is time to say goodbye bye in just a couple minutes. If there's any comment or question anyone really wants to get out there tonight, now's the time. Um, if none of that comes through in the next little while here, then we'll shut her down. Um, but if anyone has something they really want to uh, get out there, I want to give you a last opportunity, but we'll probably be shutting her down pretty quick here. Um, Still 29, just switched down from 29, from 30. So that was pretty good, man. If we're, I mean, we started what in the single digits and then we gradually got up there. Now we're up in the thirties. So, you know, hopefully that continues and we continue to just uh, grow this place gradually. I have fun here and I appreciate you all here geeking out for me. Um, I want to shout out to Lumpy Dog. Thank you for being an awesome moderator again. Appreciate it. I want to shout out to Heather and Bob for the super chats. And for everyone that just uh, was part of the conversation and made it lively and fun, I don't know if we ever figured out what food <laughs> groups Phantom Plecos really need. It seemed to keep going back and forth. But Planet Catfish is a great resource if you need to do some further research on that. And um, also, any lurkers, I'm with you. I do a lot of streams, but I'm lurking most of the time just because it's nice to have something to listen to while I'm working in the fish room. Um, but I appreciate everyone that participated or lurked in any way. All right. So Bob says, thanks for a great stream, Dan. It's 1030 here in Tennessee. Oh, it is night, night time for sure. Aqua. Thanks as always, Dan. Everyone have a good night in Wichita. Good night, fish fam. Time for a quick water change and time for bed. All right. Thank you, everybody. Lumpy dog, 30 likes and a peak viewing of 42. Well, peak viewing of 42. That's great. That's way above normal. So I don't know what we're doing, Lumpy, but it's working. <laughs> Let's keep doing it. All right. Thanks again, everybody. I'm out. I'll see you next Wednesday, 7 p.m. Mountain Time right here. Dan's Fish YouTube channel for the Fishmonger live stream. 
and I hope everybody has a great week. Till next time.